This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. I am so excited about what God's been doing and so many lives. What a great week of testimonies, good testimonies. I think every day I heard a good report. I like that. That's fun. People being healed, and actually from our night of worship, we had three people supernaturally delivered. It was broken off of them. No prayer or anything, just in the presence of God. That's my kind of deliverance there. <laughs> and a lot of healings that you'll be hearing about. And really, when you tell me that's, that's good, but it's better to write it down too. Write it down and let us know uh, because it will go in my ear and out the other, especially on Sunday. I just, I can't remember it all. So, and you can see Barbara and Allen or go to Connect Desk or put it on the uh, prayer card. Uh, put your good report that God healed you and uh, such a blessing. Got a great one over here that we're going to be, all right. And she's, uh, Eddie's going to be sharing later. We're going to get her video and her testimony that, I mean, she got delivered. She went to the doctor. I'll just share just a little part. She had um, over 30 kidney stones. If you've had kidney stone, it's one of the most painful things is what I'm told. Uh, but she was told that she could not have any more laser surgery. Anyway, she went the, the other day, and the doctor, his words was, I cannot believe this. I'm amazed. There are no stones. You are completely... And then we got a lady who was 23 years in constant pain, fractured her back. Many surgeries completely healed. Amen. Completely healed. God is doing great things. And, and Wendy Comrade uh, shared with me at the Hope House, praying for people. Healing is in the house. Amen. So God is a good God, and he's, he's doing great things. And uh, I, I told you at the beginning of this series that the Lord has shown me that dinner bell, the triangle thing. Somebody's supposed to, where's, they're not here. Uh, they were supposed to bring me one. <laughs> I have to yell on him. Anyway, that thing like the real McCoys, which nobody knew what the real McCoys was. Anyway, this triangle thing. And uh, it's a dinner bell to bring people to the Lord. Can you, can you imagine people getting healed and getting saved? Am I the only one? <laughs> so God's a healer and I, I'm grateful that he is if you look in your notes uh, uh, I put those last week I talked about I believe there's four foundational truths you need to know about healing and they weren't in your notes it's just something I threw out there and I, I want you to, to have that so I put in your notes this time you see them sickness is a result of sin um Healing is the will of God that needs to be established in your, in your life. It's absolute truth. Healing is part of our redemption. 
that Jesus purchased at the same time he purchased your forgiveness of sins. He paid for your, your healing uh, at the cross. It's just part of our redemption. And healing is received by faith. That we uh, release faith in his grace and then we receive. So we're going to take it from there. First Timothy chapter 2. Verse number one, therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving the thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved. Say saved. God desires, it's His will for all to be saved. And we found out that when you see the word save or saved, it's the word sozo. Say sozo. Now you know a little Greek. A little Greek named sozo. No. You know sozo. And sozo means all of salvation, all the promises of God, everything it's called the inclusive word of Scripture. Everything that Jesus purchased for us, your covenant is included in that term. And you see in your notes there, it is always God's will for everyone, I put me there, for me to be healed, delivered, saved, protected, to prosper, and made whole. And in that, you see the definition of sozo. All these things, if you find it in the Word, it's covered in that word, salvation, saved, or, or saving. It's, it's covered in there. It was purchased for each of us. So many times we just get the package that says forgiveness of sins, and we leave out the rest of our, our benefit package. The rest comes with it. If you get forgiveness of sins, why not just go ahead and get the deliverance, the healing, the prosperity, made whole, all the rest of it. Because it was all paid for and God wants you to have it all. In fact, we saw last week we're not to neglect our great salvation. And you can ne neglect it and you can be just one of those that receives forgiveness of sins and you can leave the rest off. But salvation is avail available to all but not all get saved. Salvation is available to everyone, but not everyone receives it. Grace makes salvation available to everyone. Faith causes me to possess it. Faith gives it to me, what grace has already provided. I'm not talking God into anything. He's already done it. Faith reaches out and receives from Him. You can believe to have your sins forgiven and you can stop there and be the most miserable person on the earth. You can stop there. And many times we've had that picture, you come to the altar, you give your life to Jesus and we'll go, if there's anything else, Lord, you want for me, just do it. We think it will be automatic. That's not what the Scriptures teaches that's not the way you got born into the family of God you came forward you took action you believed and you spoke from your heart you accepted Jesus that's the way you received the rest of it you've got to go through the same vehicle the same tool called faith 
faith. Say faith. Oh, pastor, I just don't believe in that healing stuff. Well, that's okay. You won't be bothered by it. Well, pastor, I don't believe in, in prosperity and being successful. That's okay. You won't be bothered by it. Well, I don't believe in being delivered and not being under the bondage of something. That's okay. You'll just stay in bondage. God will not decide for you. You have to decide. You have to choose. Faith makes a choice to believe God. It's a choice. And it's not based on how you feel. It's not based on the way things look. It's based on Him. On what Jesus did for us. It's based on the cross. So faith is our response to God. God's kingdom has no favorites. Or I like to say, I'm his favorite and you're his favorite. We're all his favorites. But here's the example I want to say. God has no favorites. There's no politics in the kingdom of God. There's no payments under the table. (laughs) The payment was made on top of the table in full for all of us. What determines what you get is what you believe. God requires that we believe Him. So, well, that's that's not fair. Yes, it's fair because we all can believe. We all can believe. The poor, the rich, educated, uneducated, young to the oldest, we all have the capacity to believe. In fact, the Bible says there's... None are without an excuse because even the stars in the creation demand and give us witness that there is a God. Do you know there is no... I heard this on the uh, TV the other day. I thought it was interesting. There is no one, no uh, people groups that have been discovered who do not indicate or give a regard that there is a God. They all say there is a God. It may be a weird God, but there is a God. They all say that this thing happened because there's someone out there higher and bigger than all of us. thought that was interesting. You didn't, but I did. Okay. (laughs) Have you noticed that God doesn't force his blessings on you? Believing is our part. Believing is our part. There's no shortage in heaven. There's no ration, uh, rationing going on. It's not necessary because there's an endless supply. So you can believe and just get all you want. You can just keep on getting. You know, Jesus said that the one who has, more will be given. But the one who doesn't have, what he does have will be taken away. You remember that? You know, what? How do you understand that? That's Jesus' anti-communism statement. (laughs) That's not the way we would say it today, you know. This one's without, let's give to them. But Jesus said, he that has, more is going to be given. He that has little, he's going to lose it. You understand it through faith. Faith can keep receiving from God as long as you're alive. But if you don't believe God, you can lose what you have. That's what Jesus was talking about. 
We've got to believe Him. We've got to release our faith in Him. We've got to choose to believe. You know, in the New Testament, they were called believers, not Christians. Believers. And we're good at believing. Sometimes we think, well, it's a hard thing. You say the word believe and everybody just tenses up. <laughs> believe, believe. But you don't go out there to your apple tree and you're going, believe, apple tree, believe. Come on, get an apple out there. No, it's just in them. <laughs> it's in you to believe. So I want to do a little test just to help you see this. Here's, here's the first question. Do you believe there is a God? Raise your hand if you believe that. You're doing good on your test. Have you seen Him? I need to change my test. <laughs> Have you been to His house? His heavenly house? That's, well, that's a tough group to give this test to, I tell you. Need a new test. Have you touched Him? Y'all are messing up my test. Okay. How about this? How old is God? Who knows the answer? Lift their hand. How long is God going to live? Does anybody know when God was born? Oh, he wasn't born. Okay. Oh, where did God come from? Eternity. Okay. Do you know what that sounds like to an unbeliever? You're nuts. Sounds like you are just an absolute nut. A nutcase. That's what it is to them. But you know, they, there's those that believe that all this happened by accident. You know, a, a little Aniba got hit with a lightning bolt and turned to a tadpole that came walking out like a monkey and we turned into us. Of course, my question is, where did the Aniba come from in the lightning bolt? See, everyone believes something. You are made and created to believe. You believe something, everyone does. Oh, I don't believe in God. Well, that's what you believe. <laughs> everyone believes something. I choose, and I know you choose, to believe God. Because that's the truth. Believing Him. 1 John 5, 14. Now, this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of Him. You can have confidence in God. Faith has confidence in Him. In the area of healing, you can have confidence that He's faithful to His promise. He's faithful to His provision at the cross. Hebrews 10.35, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence which has great reward. Your confidence in the Lord has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. You know that faith stays the whole course. Faith will go the journey. There's endurance needed. You're getting something from the spirit realm, another place, the unseen realm, into this natural realm. And that, that space there, you've got to walk in faith and live by faith. Just believe in God. 
acting like what he says is true. Faith is confidence, looking at the promises. And you can be confident about sickness and disease because the truth is, you know, we, we talk about we have authority over the devil, but the truth is we have authority over sickness and disease. Now, if we have authority over the devil, you could take just that statement, then we have authority over sickness and disease. And that puts a whole different light on it when you get this understanding, that, that revelation that we have authority over this stuff. Go back to the garden for just a moment. Adam and Eve had dominion, or they had authority. They did not, they were not giving, God did not give them the earth. God owns the planet earth. God gave Adam and Eve dominion or authority. Had authority in the earth. And then through Adam and Eve's disobedience, sin entered into the earth. Because of that sin, sickness and disease entered the earth. Death entered the earth because of that disobedience. And then we see in Luke chapter 4, we see Jesus in that confrontation with Satan. Satan says, I give you the kingdoms of this world. He's talking about, I give you the authority that was delivered unto me. When was it delivered? When Adam fell, he gave authority to Satan. Satan had authority. So what's happening in the Old Testament? Satan is setting up a structure, a world system that is opposed to God. Because he has authority. And God had to institute a, a law and, and sacrifices and things to, to keep his people, his, his believers, in, in a place of, of safety. Because they were no match, they had no authority against the enemy. The same was, was um, a desperate situation. I mean, God, in his wisdom, the law brought protection. It did show that we needed a savior, but there was protection because of the sacrifices, because of the blood that was spilled. So we need to know that sickness entered the earth because of sin. And when a person's sick, it doesn't mean it's because of personal sin, but all sickness goes back to Adam's sin. So here comes Jesus. He lives a sinless life. He's born of a virgin where he's not born into sin or that sin system. He's not born into that. He walks and lives on this earth as a man filled with the Holy Spirit, just like us that we're to live. He walks this earth, and what is he? He's the master of everything. He comes against demons, he's the master of it. Sickness and disease, he's the master of it. He has authority over, over storms. Whatever the situation is, he has authority over it. How is he walking in authority? It's because he fulfilled the law righteously. He got righteous by fulfilling the law and was walking in that authority. Because 
God bases authority on righteousness. So everything bowed at the name of Jesus. At that name is his character. Everything that's included in his. When you say the name Jesus Christ. Everything that's included in that name. What it represents. Or his presence. Everything bowed in his presence when he walked to earth. So he was righteous and God was with him. Because he was righteous. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So this is what we call the great exchange that Jesus became sin where we could have his righteousness. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And just give you a, a quick definition for those that are not familiar with righteousness, it means you're totally accepted by God. As if you had never sinned. That's how accepted. Just like the acceptance that Jesus has before the Father, that's what you have. So Jesus gave us his righteousness. Now you're not righteous because of your actions or your performance or you fulfilling the commandments. You are righteous because you were born that way. When you accept Jesus Christ and you have a rebirth, and the Bible talks about being born again spiritually, you are made righteous through birth. So it's nothing to do with us. It's a, it's a gift. But if you're righteous, authority goes with it. Let me give you just a well, this is in your notes. Your righteousness in Christ is the foundation for your authority in the earth. So the basis for your authority is your righteousness in Christ. Proverbs 25.5, it says, And his throne will be established in righteousness. There are several verses on this, but you'll see a throne here can mean authority. So the authority is established in righteousness. Your authority is established in Christ's righteousness, which he gave you. In Luke 10, uh, we find that, first we see that Jesus has given authority to 12 disciples. and said, look, go heal the sick, cast out demons, you have authority. And then in Luke 10, he takes 70 and he said, look, you go do it. He gave them authority. Now, they're not born again. He's given them authority on credit in light of the event that's coming down the road, the cross, where they would receive righteousness from Jesus when they believe. So he's, he's authorized them. And he said, go heal the sick where they receive you. He said, you're not received, shake the dust off. They're not born again. What can you do? What can you do? They're not even born into the family. But then something happens at the cross in Mark 16, verse 15. 
He said to them, go into all the world. Right before this, Jesus said, all power in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. Or all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. And he says, therefore, you go into the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name they'll cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. They drink any deadly, uh, anything deadly. It will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. What's he doing? He's authorizing or giving authority to the body of Christ. He's given us authority. Our authority is not based on the shadow or that which that would happen in the future. Our authority is based on the cross that's already taken place. And it's based on that you've been made righteous. The righteousness of God in Christ. That's the reason you can walk in authority. That's the reason you can speak to sickness and disease and tell it to go. And you can tell it to go wherever you want to go. Just don't go on another person. <laughs> Just go. If you want to tell it to go to hell, that's up to you. I have. You can't tell nothing else that's so. up. <laughs> you have authority. Don't take up serpents and become some nut and say, looking for snakes to take up. This represents the curse. It represents evil, the works of the devil. <laughs> and we can get so strange. I'm glad it's not that way because I'm not going to no church like that. <laughs> snakes and, and, you know, I... I'd read this verse to a friend of mine at work, and he said, do you mean you believe that's for today? I said, yes. And he said, well, I'm going to poison you. This is my friend. I didn't know what to say. I, this is what came out of, of me. I said, don't tell me about it because the Bible says not to tempt the Lord your God. I don't know if he poisoned me or not. I do know this. Now, a few years later, he came back and repented to me. He was like me, filled with the Spirit and radical for God. You know, people can get strange when you start falling in love with Jesus. <laughs> you just don't fit in the world anymore, you know. When you love Jesus, that love for the world just kind of shrivels and dies. Everybody had always loved me. And here was a friend wanting to poison me. I got a call and it was some witches and they said, we're praying for your death. It was a coven of witches. What? What is going on? Called a pastor friend, welcome to ministry. It's, what? Nobody told me about this stuff. I love everyone. I'm just trying to help everybody. Oh yeah, it's just part of it. People... What? Okay, anyway. 
Reminds me of, you know, uh, Paul. I have to say this one quick. Paul, you remember when he was a prisoner? He's going to Rome. And he tells him, he said, look, guys, we shouldn't take this journey. He's going to trial in Rome, and he's a prisoner. And he said, look, uh, I perceive the Lord is showing me that this, we should not take this trip. They didn't listen to him. They go anyway. And it's a horrible trip. It wasn't a, a good cruise at all. I mean, they're throwing everything over and, and they shipwreck. And, and, and he prays and through his prayers, everyone on the ship is saved. But the, not the ship and they have to, you know, swim in the shore. They get to shore and it's rainy, it's cold. And Paul, being a servant, wants to help out some, and he's cold, and he goes to get some firewood. Puts on the fire, and what happens? A snake comes out and attaches itself to him. But see, he knew he had authority. He knew no poisonous thing would hurt him. No snake. And what did he do? Just shook it off. Just shook it off. What do you need to shake off? You got authority, just shake it off. Shake it off. You have authority. Romans 16, 20, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. You know, we've been misinterpreted this verse. The way it's been taught is Satan will rule over you until Jesus comes back. That's not what he's talking about here because when you look in the light of other scriptures, that can't be it. What he's saying is when you exercise your authority, then Satan shortly will be crushed under your feet. That's what it is because Jesus didn't fail at the cross. He defeated the enemy. So it's it's about us exercising our authority. The Bible says he's waiting till we make the enemy our footstool. He's waiting on us. Ephesians 1.21 Far above all principality and power and might and dominion this time out when Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father God. And it goes from there. And the right hand, by the way, is a place of authority. We're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus at the right hand, the place of authority. Far above all principality and power and might, dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Not only for the earth age, but that which is to come. He has put all things under his feet, gave him to be the head over all things to church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is good news for us. The thing that you're dealing with is under your feet. I don't care what you're dealing with that's coming against you. You have authority over it. It's underneath your feet. And you've got to put it there. You've got to see it there. You have authority over it. You can't be passive about it. You've got to rise up and say, I have authority. And exercise that authority. And then Satan will be crushed under your feet. Nothing is impossible. 
But if we really believe that, we'll be believing for the impossible. (laughs) Where are you dealing with? Sickness, disease, poverty, bondage, lack? What are you dealing with? It's underneath your feet. The curses are underneath your feet. Well, yes, I understand, Pastor. I'm the least in the kingdom. I'm the little toe on the left foot. Well, I've got good news for you, little toe on the left foot. You're still, you're still above the enemy because he's underneath your feet. You still have authority over the enemy. You're part of Christ. You're part of the body of Christ. We don't see someone walking by and we say, there go George, there's George's head. No, it's George, the whole body, his, his arms, everything. It's connected. We are the body of Christ. We have authority. It's underneath our feet. So let me help you where sickness and disease belong. Under your feet. Under our feet. Colossians 2.15 Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. Ephesians 6.12 For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of this darkness, of this age, against spiritual hosts of weakness, wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to Stand. We have been taught that we are to wrestle with the devil from this verse. But we're not to be. That's what it says, Pastor. Well, you got to look at verse 13. It says, therefore. We need to see what's there for. It's therefore take up the whole armor of God. When you look up this word wrestle, it's a Greek word that means to fight naked. Not strip down, nothing on, all down, fight. And that's the way they fought back then. It was very, it was horrific, bloody, awful. They would fight each other, and the one left standing was the winner. The one dead was the loser. And if you want to read a great book on this, Rick Renner's book, Dress to Kill. It's the best I ever read on it, on the armor of God. But, but this is the picture, and all of them knew what was being told here, what Paul was talking about here. Everyone understood. Oh, he's talking about like what we go and watch and we see. But he's saying, you're not in this match against another human. You're against principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness. He goes, therefore put on the whole armor of God. Now think about this. Adam and Eve, they sinned and were stripped naked spiritually. They lost their authority. They were no match for the enemy. Paul is saying humans are no match for the enemy. We're no match in our own strength. 
We're no match against him. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God. Think about this. Picture a, a wrestling match, and you... Well, you're going to... Okay. You're going to picture it anyway. You have a stripped, naked man with a loincloth in your imagination. <laughs> Coming against a Roman soldier decked out. Who's going to win this? It's not much of a fight, is it? Because one whack of that sword... I mean, it's over. It's no match. It's not, even, it's not even a competition. But guess who Satan is in that match? He's the one stripped naked. Who are you? You're the one in the Roman armor. The armor of God. It says he's been stripped. He's lost all authority over you. He wants to con you and make you believe that you have no authority, that you have no power, that you don't have a covenant. He wants to get you in your own strength. He wants you to get you in strife and offended. He wants you to get you outside of the armor of God where he can knock you out and you'll lose every time against him. Therefore, face him with the... God's armor on, operating in God's authority. Lastly, whose armor is it? Whose armor is it? In Isaiah 59 verse 16, he saw that there was no man. He wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him. And his own righteousness had sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. The armor of God is the same armor that Jesus wore when he walked this earth. It's been tried and tested and it won and it prevailed and now it's yours. Wow. There came a day that Jesus took off his armor. He took it off. And he allowed the enemy to take him. He was naked. He was bloody. He died. He became sin. But on the third day, he rose from the dead. And he ascended on high. And he gave us his heart. He gave us his armor. And when the enemy comes against you. And you're in the armor of God. He doesn't know if it's Jesus or if it's you. All he knows, he's fleeing. He's getting away. This is in your notes. Now we face a stripped, naked defeated enemy while we are decked out in God's armor. 
Jesus defeated Satan while he was still holding Adam's authority. He paid the price for our transgressions, for Adam's transgressions and for ours. He paid the price. If Satan had known it, he had never crucified him. It backfired on him. And now we rise up and we do the works of Christ. And we have authority. We have authority. Thank you, Lord. So what do you need to do? Enforce the victory. You need to start speaking some things. Instead of talking about your problem, talking about your sickness, start speaking to it and command it to leave you. Start declaring what the Word says. Because you have the authority to do it. And heaven will back you up. Let's bow our heads. I want to ask you a question. If you were to die, would you go to heaven? There's only two places available. It's heaven or hell. question is, where would you go? I want you to think about just a moment. You know, if your answer is, well, I'm really a good person. There's no place in the Bible that says a good person. Because you're a good person, that will get you to heaven. So I love God. The guys that flew into the World Trade Center, the last thing they said before impact was, I love God. But it was the wrong God. It was wrong demonstration of love for God. Well, I hope so. Hoping so won't get you to heaven. Well, I believe in God. Well, the devil believes in God, but he's not getting saved. He'll not be there. Somebody needs to love you enough and value you enough to tell you the truth. If this is your response, you're not going. You're not going to make it. Jesus made it very clear how you get there. He said in John 3, you must be born again. What does that mean, be born again? It means that you give Jesus Christ all of your heart and all of your life. When you do that, you become part of the family of God. And you'll have eternity with God and with the family of God. You can have this assurity. You can have this peace. Maybe you prayed before, but you know you're not living for God. Today is the day of salvation. Make a choice today. Say, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to give Him all my heart and all my life. I'm going to follow Him. I'm not going to ask you. I am going to ask you to come down when the prayer partners come. Come and receive prayer. But for right now, if that's you, I want you to lift your hand. No one looking around say, that's me. Just lift it up high and say, that's me. And we're going to pray. And we're going to believe God. And we're going to ask God to come into your heart and your life. Thank you, Jesus. Everyone say, dear God, thank you for the cross. I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. God, I give you all my heart and all my life. 
I'll follow you all my days. I love you, Lord. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for the cross. Empower me. Fill me with your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for saving me now. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Let's give God thanks. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.